Earbuds have changed everything. Just a few years ago before earbuds, it seemed every airline passenger went through the same routine. We walked down the aisle, spied out our seat, crammed the oversized bag into the undersized overhead bin, and sat down with a sigh. That's when we met our seatmates for the next two and a half hours. When you're only four inches away from another person, it's awkward to just sit and stare at the back of the seat in front of you, so we used to go through the same battery of questions and conversation. Hi, what's your name? I'm Batman. You? Oh, hey Batman, I'm Leroy. What do you do? I save the world. You? Well, I I, kind of do that too. I'm an actuary. Now that mostly everyone has earbuds, it's possible to fly for two and a half hours and not even nod at the person four inches away. But back in that prehistoric day, we were only two minutes into the meet and greet. We hadn't even learned that our seat cushion can be used as a flotation device, and we've already struck the heart of the issue. For many of us, even most of us, including in the ministry, our identity is wrapped up in what we do for a living. But what happens when all that changes? We're not the first to ask that question, and we're going to hear more about that right after this. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to An Identity Crisis on Simplify. Centuries earlier, King David was seen fleeing the city of Jerusalem. The city had seen this scene before. When kings go to war, they watched David suit up and lead his troops into battle. But those times, they were on horses. This time, they were on foot. This was not that. This time, King David was running for his life, but not from an enemy army. He was running from his own son, Absalom. David and Absalom had a strained relationship, and that's saying it kindly. David's son Amnon raped his own sister. Then David's son Absalom killed Amnon. Then Absalom fled the country as a fugitive. And finally, after three years, someone convinced King David to think outside the kingdom and call his son back home. And he did. But when David brought Absalom back to Jerusalem, David never called for him or saw his son for two more years. This is the stuff of daytime talk shows, but it's in the Bible. It's the same David who killed a giant and wrote the 23rd Psalm. David was a better businessman than a family man. Absalom thought he could best his dad as a businessman, so while his dad was still reeling from the dysfunctional family he was leading, Absalom garnered a formidable following, and that following of 200-plus crowned Absalom as king. Then the conspiracy grew, and so did the crowd, and a messenger ran to tell King David, "'Your Majesty, all Israel,' has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. (laughs) Now, that's a little exaggerated. But then listen to the closing argument to the jury of David's fears. And Absalom has sent for Ahithophel, one of David's counselors. Absalom handpicked Ahithophel because he knew what a help his counsel would be to him and how much it would hurt David to no longer have Ahithophel's sage wisdom right by David's side. When David heard his own son was revolting against him, David did not fight, he fled. He crossed the Kidron Valley with a few hundred men and headed into the unforgiving world of the wilderness. David couldn't hold back the tears, and neither could his mighty men. They all wept as they walked. When David finally reached high ground at the summit of the Mount of Olives, he stopped long enough to talk with a man who was waiting there for him. 
His name was Hushai. Hushai was likely an older man, and he would only be a burden to David as he struggled to keep up with the younger men. But his heart broke with David's. Hushai rent his robes when he heard what happened in Jerusalem. Then David had a divine idea. He would send Hushai back to Jerusalem and plant him there in the palace as a spy for David and to contradict the always sage counsel of Ahithophel. There was a chance that Hushai could buy David some more time and help him know Absalom's next move before he made it. When Hushai arrived in Jerusalem, Absalom was just showing up. And Hushai sought out Absalom and cried, Long live the king! Long live the king! But Absalom was suspicious. He interrogated Hushai. Is that how you treat your friend David? Why aren't you with him? Hushai played the God card. I'm with whoever God and Israel are with, and right now that appears to be you. That stroked Absalom's already inflated ego, and it satisfied his suspicions. He liked the sound of God's man for God's people. He especially liked the sound of Hushai's song, Long Live the King. King Absalom thought of his bright future on the throne of Israel for decades to come. But he had to do something about his dad before his dad did something about him. Absalom remembered his hand-picked counselor, the man who always had the right, wise words to say. He turned and asked Ahithophel, What do I do, counselor? And Ahithophel grinned a devilish grin and answered, You need to show your dad who's really the boss. He left ten concubines behind. You should set up a tent on the roof of the palace and sleep with every one of them. And that will tell your dad peace is out of the question. Absalom followed Ahithophel's advice, and Scripture records this powerful footnote about Ahithophel. The advice of Ahithophel was as if one inquired at the oracle of God. Listening to Ahithophel was like listening to God. Ahithophel was known all over Israel as the oracle. His personalized plate on his chariot read, Oracle One. He was the counselor who counseled kings. But he wasn't done. He counseled Absalom to attack David while he was down and finish him off. Go after him now, tonight. Don't wait. You'll catch him unaware. You'll catch him while he's weeping. And you'll finish him off once and for all. Neutralize the threat now. Absalom smiled his devilish grin. But he had a new counselor in the court. Hushai just pledged his allegiance to Absalom. Let's hear what he has to say. If he agrees, it's unanimous. We go tonight. If not, let's find out what he has to say and why. Hushai was clever and crafty. He appealed to Absalom's ego. Hushai flattered Absalom and pointed to his military prowess. Absalom, you're smart. You know your dad and you know war. Your dad is hurt, but he's angry. He's like a bear robbed of her cubs. If you attack right now, you're liable to get the claws and the teeth. If you start to lose that battle, the men who are with you right now will scatter and you won't have anything left, anyone left. You are too smart to take that chance, aren't you? Let's wait until we can marshal every tribe from Dan to Beersheba and then we'll go after your dad and you won't be able to lose if you wanted to. That might have been the first time in a long time, Ahithophel heard somebody say, 
I hear what the counselor is saying, but in both men, in all of Absalom's men, waited to hear what the newly crowned king would do. He thought. He nodded. Hushai is right. We need to wait. Ahithophel was floored. Much of Absalom's cabinet was floored. They hadn't seen Ahithophel swing and miss, perhaps ever. And they hadn't really heard much about this rookie Hushai, the archite. But Absalom listened to Hushai's advice and rejected Ahithophel's. But this wasn't just cunning craftiness. The writer of Second Kings wrote this for all who would hear and read it later. The Lord, Yahweh, had purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord, Yahweh, might bring disaster on Absalom. Even God admitted Ahithophel's advice was right, right out of the situation room. But God knew Absalom's heart was far from right. So he used Hushai's foolish counsel to defeat Ahithophel's wise counsel. Hushai rushed out to tell the men who would tell David what Absalom had planned, and David and his men crossed the Jordan River and escaped yet again. But Ahithophel could not stop thinking about what just happened in that throne room. Ahithophel couldn't take it. For years, he had been the wise counselor. For years, kings hung on his words. Israel moved or stayed largely thanks to Ahithophel, but not this time. And he left the throne room where he had become very comfortable, very confident. Ahithophel went home. His wife could tell something was wrong, as wives can. He walked into the office. He rummaged through the file cabinets and found his will and set it out on his desk. He called to check on his life insurance policy and set out the policy on his desk. He checked all his bank balances. He paid up all his debts as best as he could. He made arrangements for the kids to spend that night with their friends. Then Ahithophel left the office, grabbed a rope and a chair out of the shed, walked to the shade tree where he used to read, stood on the chair, tied one end of the rope around a branch, one end around his neck, and Ahithophel, the counselor, the oracle of God, stepped off the chair. Ahithophel took his own life because his own life was wrapped up in what he did for a living. And when he was no longer the smartest guy in the room, Ahithophel felt like his life had no value. The tragedy of Ahithophel, chronicled in the middle of 2 Samuel, is a cautionary tale to be careful when our identity is wrapped up in what we do or what people know about us. Maybe you're a professional. Maybe you're a preacher. Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a teacher or a missionary or a top flight singer or a sought-after evangelist or a youth camp speaker or a six-figure CEO, or an engineer, or the most creative stay-at-home mom with the most successful side hustle in the history of Etsy. But what happens when you're not anymore? What happens when you no longer do what you used to do, or when someone else is better at doing what you used to do? 
What happens when you used to be the most sought after and now somebody else who's coming up in the next generation is the most sought after? Where do you seek your identity? What happens when who you are is wrapped up only in what you do? Who we are will never change. We are sons and daughters of God. What we do will often change. When we were born again, Jesus himself was not ashamed to sign his own name on our lives, and he sealed our adoption into his family of faith when he filled us with his Holy Spirit. That has nothing to do with what we do. That has everything to do with who we are. We are his. Before we were anything to anyone else, we were a son or daughter to him. For those of you who were born again when you were very young, before you were a husband or a wife or a father or a mother, you, I, we were sons and daughters of God. For those of you who are in the ministry, before we were shepherds, we were sheep. And long after we're no longer shepherds, we will still be his sheep. In a moment, we can lose a ministry. We can lose a job. Sadly, tragically, we can even lose a family member. But nothing and no one can take away the night we were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with his Spirit. Our identity is connected to our relationship with Jesus, not just the job we do or the reason we get paid. Somewhere, Ahithophel forgot he wasn't just a counselor. He was part of the people of God. And before he was a counselor, he was an Israelite. And after he was a counselor, he was still an Israelite, still a chosen part of the people of God. But when he was no longer what he used to do, he felt like his life was no longer worth living. Learn the lesson from Ahithophel. We are more than just what we do. We are who we are. We are children of God. I want us to pray right now that God would help us to get this deep in our heart. I took a little bit of a break away from walking through the wilderness with the children of Israel. Somebody needs to hear this and understand your identity is wrapped up in your relationship with God, not just your job or the ministry. Lord Jesus, today we, will, we come to you as sons and daughters of God. We come to you as your kids, not just preachers, not just pastors, not just evangelists, not just accountants, not just engineers, not just construction workers, not just bankers. We come to you, Lord, as your children. Help us today to seek our identity, our value from who you say we are. We are your sons. We are your daughters. Help us, Jesus, I pray, to see ourselves as you see us. Before we were what we do, we were what we are, and after we will no longer be what we do, we will still be who we are. We'll still be your kids. Help us today, Lord, to learn this lesson from Ahithophel. Help us, Jesus, I pray, to seek you and our relationship and our value from you with you. I ask you this today. Use us for your glory, but help us, Jesus, just to be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much, Simplified listeners. Subscribe, like, follow, share. Click the notify button, the bell button. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll know exactly when they drop and you can share with your friends and your family. And head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You can pick up Simplify. You can pick up 10 words and in production now, the new Blessed R. 
a practical look at the Beatitudes. You can pick that up pretty soon from PentecostalPublishing.com. Use promo code SIMPLIFY and save 10% off your entire order. Next week, I want to get back to the wilderness, perhaps. <laughs> I want to share with you a 40-year detour. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with our Jesus as we walk through Simplify.